Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Jake and Gino from the famous Jake and Gino multifamily duo, Gino Barbaro and Jake Stenziano, my former New York Paisans that are now uh, in Florida and Tennessee. But these guys are uh, they're good guys. I really liked having them on. Um, they did an awesome job on their part. I messed this up a little bit, which I'll talk about. But what great guys. They are uh, great energy, really good dynamic. Uh, anytime you got people that have been able to work together successfully and keep a partnership and still enjoy each other's company, still have fun, still keep each other honest, I'm all about that. So I think they have a great dynamic. I know some of their students that are doing really well. Shout out to John Dessauer. Shout out to John Gildert, my New York fellow Long Island Paisan as well. I've uh, been on the podcast before. Great guy. He's talked about the culture there and how much he liked and connected with Jake and Gino and what they're doing in their community. These guys are really great on the investor side. They're great on the student side as far as the education part. They got books, podcasts. They're doing children's books now, um, all kinds of stuff. So Definitely check the show notes and please follow them. My computer crashed about three quarters of the way in on this interview, which has never happened in about 250 episodes now. And, uh, and I felt terrible. It didn't even just crash. It literally like wouldn't even let me restart it. So I was just frozen in this weird black hole of not being able to even communicate with them. And they were just kind of there. So I feel bad. I, I really dropped the ball on this one to try to have these guys on and have a good uh, good podcast and make a good impression. And there's no way that I left one after that. So they were cool, obviously, but um, you know, not the way you ever wanted to go down on a podcast. I'd take responsibility. I, I don't know. Never happened before. I got to figure out what happened there. But so we got to cut a little short right as we were about to get into them talking about the books that they got coming out, the future uh, events that they have coming up, the live events, the boot camps, stuff coming out on the educational side. So please check the show notes if you're interested in attending one of their events, connecting with them, getting in their books, follow them on social media, going on their website. All the information will be on there. I did not give them the proper time to uh, promote it or talk about it. So I sincerely apologize to Jake and Gino. We didn't really get the time in there to do that. So um, that is that is my fault, and I feel very bad about that. So please, if you're interested, follow up with them on uh, on the social media links in the show notes of this podcast. And again, please like, comment, share, tag people in the clips that we'll be posting from this episode because that is the fee. Is It's a free podcast. We just ask that you subscribe. You can find it everywhere at nicknicknick.com slash links. Literally everywhere you get your podcast, YouTube, Spotify, should be anywhere and everywhere. Please just subscribe to it there. And then all the social medias, again, on nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S. You can find all the ways to follow us on social media. And again, when we share the clips from this Jake and Gino episode, please like them, comment on them, give a fist bump, give an okay, check them out, give them a follow so they know that A-game listeners want to have A-game guests on this podcast and we can keep bringing them to you. So you're scrolling all day on social media anyway, please just interact with us on social media. It really goes a long way. If you're looking to do some real estate together, whether you have some properties that you're looking to sell me, I'm always looking to buy. If you are looking to potentially buy some properties from me, if you want some multifamily, some cash flow properties, maybe some flips, any of the stuff you're looking for, I can either buy it from you or I can help you get what you need. Maybe I have it in my inventory and we could do something there. Or maybe you don't even know what you want to do. You know, you just want to get involved in real estate, maybe partner with me on some level. 516-540-5733. Just shoot the, te the text over there. 
real estate. As soon as I get that text, I know you want to have a conversation of buying, selling, or partnering on some level, and we could take it from there. Also, if you would like a free checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers as a real estate broker, agent, or wholesaler, go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets, and you can get a free checklist on that site right there. So thank you so much, Jake and Gino. I, again, I apologize. I'm very embarrassed about the way that the computer stuff went down. They had a timeline. They had to get on another one. So I did not give them the ample time to really wrap it up professionally and talk about some of the things that were on that list and on the agenda. So it's the way it goes sometimes. Unfortunately, it was my fault, and I just apologize. And uh, hopefully you get to have them on again, meet them in person, check out one of their events, and uh, make a, a better second impression than I did on my first. So shout out to John Geldert, uh, John Dessauer, and a bunch of other guys that have recommended them over the years. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great day. A game podcast. All right. My guests today are true entrepreneurs, real estate investors, business owners, leaders, authors, and podcast hosts coming from family-owned restaurants and a pharmaceutical sales background to finding financial through real estate and investing specifically through multifamily commercial assets. They have a portfolio today of over $225 million in assets under management through the tried and tested three pillars to success that they now teach to average Joes and Janes just like you and I through live events, multiple educational platforms, partnerships, books, and podcasts. They have a reputation for not only success, but creating women partnerships through non-negotiable core values and creating a culture to find and nurture their tribe. Even now, coming along for the babies here, they have a children's book out to help shake young minds. As Gino being a father of six himself, I would like to honorably welcome to the A-Game Podcast. Guys, I've heard nothing but great things about Gino Barbaro and Jake Stenzioni. Thank you so much for coming on the A-Game Podcast today. Welcome. Well, Nick, you nailed the, the intro. I love the intro. The only thing is it's the two jabronis, right? The pizza guy and the drug rep. We're, we're, we're happy to be here <laughs> and we're happy to share uh, our, I guess, what, what's worked for us. And, you know, the multifamily space has been really kind to us for the last decade. That's awesome, man. So I know there's a million different things we can talk about, but for people who aren't 100% familiar with your background, can you guys give like a just a 30,000 foot view of kind of where you came from and, and where you are today? Yeah, I'll, I'll hit uh, basically, oh, everything to the G-Daddy here, right? No, it's <laughs> ultimately, yeah, um, both New York economic deserters, as we were just talking a minute ago there. I, uh, I left in 2011 and, and Gino left a few years later. And ultimately, it just provided a, a tremendous opportunity for us. Uh, met Gino at his restaurant in New York. Um, I was a pharmaceutical rep at the time. And I decided to get out of New York. I grew up on the, you know, the western side of the state, moved, you know, and was working in Westchester area and just saw, look, high taxes, bad weather, and not a lot of opportunity for growth. And I was looking for something more. So I, uh, I took a lateral transfer to Knoxville, Tennessee at the time. And all it took was I created a spreadsheet and I ranked all the states on a few metrics and I kept it very simple. Okay. I was looking for no state income tax. I was looking for low property taxes and better weather. Very quickly, there was a handful of states and Tennessee was right on the radar simply because it was close enough where we could get back in a short period of time to New York. And it was really the, the closest one that we could touch that checked all those boxes. So as I was uh, you know, preparing to move, uh, it was one of my last times in Gino's restaurant. We sat down and uh, just opened up the laptop, knew he was uh, interested in multifamily investing. He had a couple of duplexes at the time. And I, and I was looking for an out because my pharmaceutical company was doing layoffs every year. 
Uh, there was something that the Sunshine Act, it was all this, you know, healthcare reform back in the day. And it wasn't the same place. I, it, it went from being a great culture to a really toxic culture. And I was no longer a fit. So I was going to get chopped at some point. So I had to find something else. So I was simply looking for something to invest in and, and get cash on cash return. That's all I really knew at the time. Uh, Gino started mentoring me. We started looking at multifamily deals. Took us two years to get into our first deal. So that was probably the, the first learning lesson that I want to share with folks is that it seems like, and, and when I say it seems, multifamily can seem like a pie in the sky. Like you can probably envision yourself doing a duplex or getting into a small multifamily. The bigger complexes seem like, it seems like a pie in the sky. So the best thing we did early on is we didn't quit. Gino was educated. He was, he was mentoring me. And that really was the spark that got everything going and, and you know, carried us to where we are today. Just a couple things to add to that, Nick. First thing is Jake is right. I did teach him everything he knows. Uh, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> the, the, the second thing is Jake is not employable. So he needed me and I needed him just as bad. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> he just, you know, he fired his boss at a Taco Bell. That's all I got to say, right? I mean, and, uh, and I think the last thing is, you know, to have a partner like Jake, I just, I would, I would wish that on everybody because when we started partnering, we didn't know it at the time, but it was based on our values. We call it values-based decision-making. And I saw how hard of a worker he was. I saw how diligent he was. I saw how we prepared for his weeks. And I saw that he really wanted to get out of his job. And we really mesh really well together. We have a lot of skills that really are complementary. We do a lot of the same things, but we have strengths outside of the same skill set. So for anybody out there looking to partner and multifamily and investing and becoming an entrepreneur... For me, I have partnerships in all different areas of my life, and I, I love the partnership that we've been able to create. And for those of you out there that think you have to go it alone, you don't have to go it alone. You just have to figure out what your values are, what your goals are. We had very similar goals. I mean, Jake doesn't want crypto. I have a little bit of crypto. He's not in crypto. He's not the shiny object guy. He's He just wants multifamily down the fairway, and that's how we really are very similar. We're just in the multifamily space. We have businesses that align with multifamily, but we don't have the shiny object syndrome. We have that long-termism a nice guy if someone comes to it with like an opportunity he might throw a couple of shekels 50 grand here or there he spreads it out a little bit but he's he's really just doing a favor to them like he's like maybe if it comes back to me we'll see what happens but ultimately keeping multifamily down the fairway yeah right? and the last thing is just the responsibility we both responsibility junkies we're just like you know what if something happens we're gonna take ownership over it and i think when you're out there looking for a partner you really have to resonate you really have to have values aligned and your goals aligned Man, I, I love all that. I think there's a, a few key points there. One of them that uh, Jake was mentioning was taking two years to get a, a property and everybody looking at it. And I, I always tell everybody, just focus on one deal or the next deal. And I think people, the honeymoon's over. You know, They listen to a podcast, they get excited, they're all in, and then two, three months go by and they don't see any return. So you, know, you, you go to the gym, you're not jacked in 30 days. You're like, ah, this doesn't work. And most people will quit because they're not willing to put that stuff in. And I, I get a lot of fighters and stuff on this podcast and people are like, oh, I want to be a UFC fighter. And when those guys come on, they're like, you don't really want what I have. You don't want to do what I did to get here. And I think what I've seen you guys do very well is paint the expectation of legitimately what it is going to take as far as the the mental side, the what you have to put in, like the the wins and losses and all those things. So I think in the age of social media, when people have the expectation of look, it's it's 50 million units that we own and, and properties all over the place and Lamborghinis and vacations, but they don't see enough of like the stuff that goes on behind. They only see the it's highlights. It's called a comparison so trap. What you're, oh. what you're identifying right there is called the comparison trap because social media is great if you want to aspire to get to where someone else is. Like if you want to be the Donald Trump and own all this commercial real estate, that's great. But if, you know, he comes on and says, I just closed a $300 billion or $300 million, you know, portfolio. 
you're like, oh shit, now I suck, right? Like it's, it's <laughs> not it's not aligning yourself to, I got to do that today because ultimately there's inflection points as entrepreneurs that happen every few years. And most people need to get that first deal done to do exactly what you just said, get their mind right. They need that belief system. They, they got to get past that multifamily is a pie in the sky. They need that belief system, get the first one done. I got 10 units. Well, I could probably do 20 or 30 now. I just did 10. It's adding a, a little bit of money to it. Maybe I can hire a resident manager or something. Now I'm into 30. Shit, I'm on 30 now. I could probably do 50, 60 or 70. It's not that much different. So your beliefs continually climb the ladder. And then now all of a sudden you're like, I can do this. And I don't give a shit what you say. If you're early on in, in your career, and, and there's people that can go from zero to hundred, right? But most of us cannot do that. So you need to create those little wins to get you up the ladder, to get to where you're going to need to be, to start to get into the bigger game. And it's okay. It might take three, four, five, six years. But if you believe that multifamily is a vehicle for you, squat and commit the time. Because ultimately, my life hasn't changed since I started getting into multifamily. I do the same thing week in and week out to acquire more multifamily assets, and I'm not buying anything else. That's why we've been successful is because we've squatted in one place. We picked a vehicle that we believe in and we continue adding to that. And the snowball grows over time. Same reason Warren Buffett has been so successful. He's taken one strategy and applied it for the last 80 years. And in the last probably 10 years is when his wealth is really, he was always, you know, along the way rich, but if you saw that, that real steep explosion, I think it was over the last 10 years of his career. So it's squatting in one place over a long period of time to really get the results that you're after. And Nick, I can give you a perfect example of what's been going on in my life over the last two years. I started singing opera, believe it or not, about a little over a year ago because my kids started singing and it's really relevant to what my investment journey looked like. The first week I'm there, my opera teacher says to me, start singing. I don't know. I'm going to start singing Guns N' Roses. I don't know opera <laughs> at all. I really don't. I can read music and I can read Italian. I'm Italian. Other than that, and I just got thrown into the deep end. And what happens is after two or three weeks, if I wasn't the fighter and I wasn't dedicated and I didn't want to have that vision of singing with my family at church every Sunday, I probably would have quit. I stuck in there. A couple of things that I had early on in my investment journey, as I did with this, this journey with opera, I had an amazing teacher. When I was looking for it, the teacher found me and I found the teacher. The second thing was rhythms. Every Friday, 5 p.m., I'm singing lessons every Wednesday evening, hour and a half choir practice every Sunday, sing at church during the week, three to four times a week. I'm warming up and practicing with my son have to put in the reps. You have to see the vision and you have to be able to say to yourselves, there's a, there's a term called the investment of loss. You are going to suck and it's okay. And you're going to get to a point where you think you're good. You're going to take a step forward. And then all of a sudden, wow, I hit, you know, a high F, but I have to take a step back to be able to go to the G and now I'm hitting a flat. You are the hitting, G, all right, dude, bro. I mean, I'm going to B flats now, bro. I mean, I, I mean, from nowhere, all of a sudden, putting the hard work. But then when I do that, okay, all of a sudden, I'm not on pitch. I need to work on something else. So it's just taking little bite-sized chunks, knowing what to go after. And that's why you said, Jake, think big, start small, and don't worry about starting small and putting in the reps. Behaviors are belief-driven. Now that I know yeah. that I can hit that B flat, all of a sudden, I can start singing different arias and different operas. But a year ago. I didn't even know what an aria was. So it's putting in the work, being disciplined. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, dude. <laughs>
<laughs> and Aria. And Aria. You forgot is, to uh, mention his first live concert was with Vanilla Ice, too. So not a bad start, Gino. Oh, right? okay. that. Nice. Right to the and, top of the heap. And think about yeah. that, Jake. That was, I was putting in LOIs every week, throwing in offers. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, that Vanilla Ice, that was my first purchase and sale. I closed the deal on that one. It took a year. <laughs> he slammed the door shut, man. That's great. right, bro. It took a year. So for those of you out there, figure out what your why is. And let me tell you something. Real estate is the best business on the planet, whether you're buying single family homes, whether you're doing commercial, self-storage, multifamily, the benefits are there, cost segregation, tax benefits, cash flow. Understand what your why is. It's time freedom and it's control. That's what Jake and I craved. We wanted that autonomy. And that's what I think real estate has allowed us to do. Figure out what that why is, then understand that the pain is coming, but it's okay. It's a pain that you can withstand because you know three, four, five years from now, when we have this conversation, you're out of your job and you're controlling your time. I love that, man. Real estate's so forgiving, even when you have those highs and lows. Like, and that's what I love about the transition commercial like you guys are doing is one of those, even if it takes you a long time, is just such a game changer. I mean, it literally is the thing that if, if you hold even like a small size multifamily and you're patient enough to get the right deal, you're going to not, you're not going to regret that in five or 10 years, only especially with what's happening now. So, you know, transitioning from that, I'd love to hear a little bit about hold what on, right stay now with, is your stay with that. Stay with that for just one second, because yeah, if you, if you stick with a deal, you're probably going to, if you get good debt on it, you say you're getting 10 year debt on it, long-term non-recourse debt, you're going to stick with it for 10 years. You might have a bad property manager. You might have a, a big, you know, issue with a leak or something that, that a year or two sucks. Over that 10-year period, though, you're going to probably love that deal if you look at the totality. We've had deals where there's, there's been issues here and there. The other thing is to make sure that you have enough money in reserves. Don't stretch yourself too thin. Don't over-lever the deal and give yourself enough time to be successful with it. I think those are the keys to winning in multifamily and, and where people mess up. They either don't bring enough money to the table, they over-lever, or they don't give it enough time. To the To the the extent that all the people that I know that I've interacted with that are in this business and have figured it out, meaning they've, they've got some scale and they've had successful deals, they all stick in it. They don't leave. The people that figure out multifamily and they actually get some scale in it stay because it's that good of a business. They're not weaving in and out to these other industries. They, they realize that what they have and they squat. I love that, man. That's gold. That's going to be a clip for the show right there. I like that one. Hey. <laughs> Well, let's let it rip. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. So with, with the multifamily stuff, I was asking about the, the buy box here. And uh, I guess a, a little bit of a two-part question. What, what is your buy box right now? And, and how are you adjusting now for the way that the market is changing with interest rates if you're doing stuff that you have to maybe refi out in the next three to five years? We have something called the three pills of real estate that we've trademarked. And it's really pulled in all information, but we've been able to put it into a framework, just like the buy right, the manage right, and the finance right. That's our three-step framework on how to buy multifamily. The three pillars is market cycle, it's debt, and it's exit strategy. You need to put all three of those together. When you're looking at a deal, well, what's the exit strategy? Because if you don't know your exit strategy, then you don't know the type of debt you're going to get. If you're going to flip a deal in three to four years, you're not getting long-term fixed rate financing. You're probably going to get bridge debt. So to your question on the buy rate box, the buy rate box is always changing because the market cycle is always changing. When we started buying seven, eight, 10, 12 years ago, we we're buying older assets because they were at the right price points. It was a buyer's market and those assets were elevating. We were able to add value to those assets, refi those assets. Now where we are, it seems as if it's coming back into the buyer's market cycle right now. So we're looking at seller finance deals, but we're also looking at deals that are a little bit newer. This is our buyer criteria in our market. You need to know every market because I think every market is completely 
different. Some markets have newer assets. Some markets have older assets. We're looking for assets that are a little bit newer, 80s and newer. Why? Because right now, if you're buying an asset at a high price and you're buying a 50s or 60s build with a lot of deferred maintenance, cast iron plumbing, you're paying a premium as it is. And you've got to put all that CapEx in there. You need to be careful. So we're buying newer assets. We love two bedrooms in our in our market. We love townhome style apartments because it's more of a, you know, rental home as opposed to an apartment unit. Median income, we'd like to target median income as well. I mean, we'd love to have anything over $50,000 in median income. Uh, we like brick. Washer dryer um, hookups. Washer dryer hookups, amenities. So for us, we're really trying to crystallize it. And it's not to say that if a 1970s build comes along, which we bought one year ago, we're not going to buy it. It just needs to be at the right price point for us to be able to add value, raise rents, and be able to you know fix that property and hold it for the long term. Yeah. Is, is it close enough to some other stuff that we own? Because we're vertically integrated. We, we do property management house. Uh, we have 130 acres of land that we bought cash over the last few years. And we have a development team that we're working on going through some zoning things right now. So I think when the deals come, uh, the lens has changed a little bit over the last few years is that we've, we've almost viewed it as buying boxes and what we can do with the boxes. And mm -hmm. so we've been turning over communities uh, pretty drastically from when we take over and just kind of renovating the entire thing and in with our in-house team. So the other thing comes into play is like, what's our bandwidth right now? Because we are vertically integrated, we're doing everything in-house. If we have, you know, six projects stacked up right now, and then there's another one that's going to be a heavy lift, uh, you know, that may not be the fit for us right at that time. And we're not going to, you know, push ourselves out over our skis because we've done that before. And we've learned from it that, you know, we need to have control over what we're doing. Otherwise, you know, things can go sideways and it starts to not be as enjoyable. So I think we're at a point now where we, we want to have aggressive growth, but we want to continue to enjoy what we're doing and, and not, you know, push our team to a point where we're not going to be able to handle it in a controlled uh, environment. So. It's very smart. I, I like that. And I think um, looking at the way the market is now, I, I'd also like to hear your opinion on syndication versus non-syndication. I think backing up to something you said earlier, you guys talked about partnerships and you talked about how Gino already had some skin in the game. He already had some experience and finding a good partner to make sure that you believe you can do this is an important thing. But on the education side, what you guys are doing is I always find it interesting where, you know, it'll be like, well, you can go and you can learn from a guy that's got 200 plus million in assets. And they go, no, you know what? We're going to partner up. And I go, well, how, how many deals have you done? Well, he hasn't done any and I haven't done any, but we're going to get to, it's like, so the two of you don't know anything and you're going to partner up and you're going to go learn from what, like, and the mistakes on the multifamily side, I feel like are so unforgiving because it, it's really not a game. Like there's so much money to be made, but there's so much money to be lost. So I think you're playing with a lot bigger numbers when you're yeah. hundred plus communities, you gotta, you gotta have your things dialed in. And, and it's interesting to bring up the syndications versus non, because we did our first thousand units cash. I mean, not like you know, we pay cash for the buildings, but I mean, it was just our, our cash going into the buildings. We didn't do any syndications. Right. And so we, we then thought, well, you know, everyone's talking about these syndications the syndications. Let's try a couple. So we did a few and those are the only deals we've ever really sold. And that's ultimately why we didn't love it. And so we did a couple, we have one still in the portfolio. And so we did a total of three sold two, And we realized from owning those that look, we like putting all of our cash in. We like getting fat draw checks every month. And so could we have done them differently and put more money in on the syndication? Sure. But it added other levels of complexity. And I'm kind of an equity hound where I just wanted it all for myself and didn't really want to share. And, you know, nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, this is what's supporting my family and our lifestyle. So we we really don't look at syndications right now unless there's like a $50 million deal that we're going to need some liquidity to take to take down. 
And um, there's nothing wrong with syndications. We have a ton of people in our community that love syndications. And I'm not to say we'll never do another one. Um, it's just not something that we're, you know, aggressively hunting for. We have, you know, uh, a lot of liquidity on the sidelines right now that, that we are waiting to deploy. So ultimately, I'd love just, you know, taking down deals internally, we do really well with them. And uh, it's just kind of our, our comfort, our sweet spot, we read a book a couple of years ago called uh, Small Giants. And the really cool thing about that is that there was a lot of like, uh, these ESOPs that it was talking about, like these employee stock ownership programs. And now we don't do that per se, but we, since we have vertically integrated team, we have over 70, you know, folks that are on our team, we allow them after two years to invest in our deals. And so it's not because we need, you know, uh, you know, cash or something like that, but it's a, it's a great way for these folks to learn and grow their wealth from all the blood, sweat and tears that they've poured into our property management, which is not easy. Right. So we want to create a nice long-term venture for them. And it, it, it really creates a nice, uh, you know, side-by-side -side partnership. So that's some of the stuff that, that we're looking at right now. Nick, what we've I been able that. to do though, is on the first thousand units, Jake forgot to mention, we've been able to refi over $20 million from the portfolio and go back in and put those money into the next deal. Cause people say, how did you scale up? Right. Well, we were just refinancing these properties and putting the money back into the next deal. And, you know, our student base has closed over 58,000 units and they've raised over wow. half a billion dollars in capital. So they, they, they understand the syndication model. And what I think people need to really understand in multifamily, there are multiple tools in the tool belt to utilize. Syndication is a great tool if you don't have any money or you have an investor base and you want to create that business. And some people it's, just love raising money. Like yes. they're just really good at it too. Yeah. yeah. And and that's that's a that's a separate business. Syndication, investors, separate business than running multifamily. So that's why it lends into. So if you're if that's your strength, find an operator out there who's really good at operating properties but can't raise capital. Capital. For us, we did a couple. We we enjoyed learning the process, but right now that's why we did it. We did it to be able to learn how to teach our students to do that. And it's just one tool in the tool belt. And I think right now, this next 12 to 24 months is going to be a little bit more difficult for syndicators out there to raise capital because a lot of them are having problems on their current deals. Investors are pulling back. There's going to be a lot of fear. So what's the next tool in the tool belt? creative financing, seller financing, master lease options. So learn that tool. So in this part of the cycle, you're going to be learning creative financing. Because when we started, we started, we did, we did our first two deals. First deal was creative financing. The fourth deal was creative financing. So we've done over $20 million in there's creative the, finance creative deals financing well. in the third deal as well. That's right. But we, that we've was, done a handful of these things. That yeah. was part of the cycle. So learn how to do seller financing, learn how to do syndication, learn how to buy deals with partners and just do JVs. If you learn all of those, it gives you optionality to be able to use it in that proper market cycle. So creative financing, I, I actually love that. I think that that's an amazing strategy, especially now, like I've, I've done more of your initial model and I see, I think what you're doing on the education side is one of the most valuable things, especially when you're talking about commercial units, because I think that there's going to be a definite advantage to people who are surrounded with a community of people like you guys have and mentors who can talk them through what a good deal is, what a bad deal is, and how to structure it the right way. But I get calls from like strangers on Facebook that are asking me for 500 grand that I've never met. Their picture's an egg and they've already raised a million dollars. And I go, well, how many deals have you done? Well, none. I'm like, man, these are not going to end well, especially now with like the interest rates going up. So I think for the, the people who are educating themselves and have that sense of community, there's going to be a really great opportunity over the next six, 12, 18 months to capitalize on these deals that I don't think are good deals. People got lucky 
by you know going over because of cap rate compression and all these different things. So it's going to be an interesting mix right here. So talk a little a bit about period of short term traders is is basically what happened. You had multiple syndicated deals that were getting traded every year, every two years, and that happened for you know since say 2016, these deals, the same deals a lot in a lot of instances kept trading. And that's what made it challenging for Gino and myself because we're long-term buy and hold investors. So we're looking at things through a lens of long-term, how are these roofs going to hold up? What's going to happen to the decks? What's going to happen to the parking lot? And these, these guys that were going in, raising all this you know renovation money, probably not spending much of it because the rents are going to inflate anyway. So they're sitting on the sidelines looking to flip out. Okay. It was a, it was a, it was a flip strategy for the last four or five years. So that was, that made it challenging for us. And now people that are coming into the tail end of that still expecting to do that are going to be really hurt because we saw the underwriting in some of these deals. People were consistently <laughs> forecasting 20% rent increases year over year. And this was going back to last year. What's happening now when rents are going down, what happens to those projections? So I think that it's a very great point. And, and what we always do, if we're going and speak in front of a room that is not our community, we just ask, what's your buying criteria? Who has buying criteria in this room? What is your buy right criteria? Because we wrote the book, Wheelbarrow Profits, based on buy right, manage right, and finance right. It's, it's the, the framework that we've used from the beginning and carried through. You know, multifamily is a three-legged stool. You nail those criteria. You have KPIs and systems uh, for each one of those legs. You're going to do really well. I, and I truly believe that if, if you, you know, can stick to your fundamentals. But so many times we've asked people, they don't have it. So when we start off, we have, uh, we have, you know, different boot camps throughout the year that are just fulfillment. And we're going into one, uh, actually, uh, this weekend, it's our buy right boot camp. The, the foundation of this event is to make sure people walk out with clear buying criteria. So they know how to interact with the brokers. And that's the fundamentals. That's the foundation where everything starts. I think that's incredible, man. And uh, you, you talked a little bit about partnerships. I definitely want to get on that. But I'm very interested to see, I, th I think every relationship needs a gas and a break. And you guys have made something work that I think is incredible. I'm down to one partner and I feel like if it doesn't work out with her, it'll never work with anybody, but it, it's not an easy thing to do. And um, I'm always very inspired when I talk to guys like you guys and there, there are long-term partnerships. And then we get on and you're having fun and you're joking around, you're kind of busting each other's balls. Like, I you love gotta that. continue busting the balls or it doesn't work. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. You gotta break balls constantly to make you. You gotta see what he's making me wear at the Christmas party, bro. This red <laughs> fucking jacket. He's making me sing in front of Vanilla Ice and in front of three hundred people. It's just like what the hell. But you know what? Actually, deep it's down, velvet inside, it's velvet tuber. It's velvet. Dude, I'm ah, gonna be singing red, some Christmas carols. Deck the halls. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be ripping at the party. <laughs> but it's Nick. It's one of those things where our relationship is real simple. The guy works like a beast. I work like a beast. He's on this podcast right now. I'm on it right now. There's no excuses. If your partner's giving you excuses, then you got to get rid of your partner. That, that's the that's the reality. We all have rough times. I don't have anybody to talk about the shitty day that I had yesterday other than my partner, Jake. I could talk to my wife about it. Great, yeah, but she doesn't understand the pain. She doesn't understand the struggle of having to make payroll. He does. And I... There's no one else. And he has rough days, but he works through them. The guy freaking studied two weeks for a broker test that... You know, that was must have been really painful. I mean, he pulled a refire through last week. He's coming to Jacksonville this week to come to the boot camp. So if your partner is not willing to lay it out for you, then get rid of your partner. But it, on the flip side, if you're not willing to do that for your partner, then 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 you're the problem. 
So I think that's where it comes down to understanding each other's goals, but you can't make excuses. Hey, listen, I got six kids. I can say, Hey Jake, I can't come. My daughter has soccer this weekend. Jake doesn't want to hear that because he's not <laughs> pulling that shit to me. Yeah. But that's not you though. Right. I know. And, 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 and to, to, here's the thing too. It's values-based decision-making when, when somebody wants to go in, 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 you know, to the right and you want to go to the left, that's where there's tension and there's tug, right. And, and there's, mm-hmm. there's pulling there and it starts to break apart. The cool thing is that we both have a long-term mindset. We have very similar values and we have, you know, the same outlook in terms of where we want to go. And most of the time people will talk about maybe just one thing like, Hey, I want to buy multifamily, but what do you want to do with that multifamily? Where do you want to see it go? And what's going on inside here? Like, where do you see yourself in the next 10 or 15 years? And, and maybe we're very lucky that, that we met each other and we shared those similar values. But if you have a partnership that, and you can discuss this stuff on the front end and talk about where you want to go, what do the next 10 years look like? I think that's the key that many people are missing because they, they align themselves with somebody. They, they kind of just jumped into bed with them. We, we dated for two years, didn't we, Gino, before we got yeah. married? And then, and then every time we do, and every time bro, we you do dump me too, deal. bro. I mean, you, well, you went and bought a house in the meantime. You see, you dumped me. And I'm like, bro, I got to do hey, this man. thing. And you're like, come hey, on man. back. Come I, knew, on back. I, knew, I knew you're coming home. Hey, listen, but the other thing is too, you got you, you to gotta do, you know, every time we do a deal, it's a, it's a new relationship though. You know, it's a, it's a new, it's a new operating agreement. So it's like we renew our vows every time we do another deal together too. And, and that has a, a, a specific outlook. But if you look at the core foundation of it though, and I know Gino, Gino gets over there and flirts with crypto and I got to bust his chops about it and say, what the hell are you doing, man? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta stay in your lane, dude. No, no shiny objects. We, we give each other shit about that. But ultimately it's, Hey, we believe in multifamily as a vehicle. We believe in buying holding. We believe in, in buying it for the long term. And, and even if you look at our entity structure, we get set 27, you know, just apartment complexes that we share entities with. We, we have the same trusts. We have the same setup throughout all the different entities, same holding companies. So you know, we align ourselves, share resources, and and ultimately just, you know, try to make sound rational decisions and, and keep the bullshit out of it. So. So what happens on the stuff that you guys, I'm, I'm sure there's times that you, one wants to buy it, one wants to sell it, one wants in the deal, one wants out of the deal. I always say my business partner, whenever they're like, well, what does she do? I'm like, dude, she talks me out of bad decisions every day. Yeah. And then every now and then I bring one and I'm waiting for her to shoot it down. And she's like, that's a good deal. And I'm like, holy crap, I got one in there. So, but I know it's coming from. We never, but the thing is we never, we, we sold two deals out of everything. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to sell them. Like, so the, the thing is bringing another deal to, to wipe the taxes, right? Bring in another cost segregation to take, take care of the taxes, keep the snowball rolling. And so I think it's, there's less transactions because we're, we're long-term buy and hold investors. So that's easy. And ultimately like Gino's probably been more aggressive on the buy side than me in the last few years. You know, if I'm, if I'm really being honest, Gino, would you say that's fair? Like I, you've well, probably been a little more aggressive than I have. Yeah. I look at it also, Nick, from, from the lens of ROE return on effort, because we do manage our properties. So I, I always look at the properties as saying, is this property going to be relatively easier to manage? We had one property three years ago in our portfolio it was 196, almost 200 units on a 1400 unit property, the vast majority of our resources were going to that one property. We sold it. Thankfully, no, it, we dude, it, was two, it was 243. Uh, and do you remember how many, how much time and effort was coming dude, out of that it was, property? It was, it was such a suck. Yeah. It yeah. Was such a suck. <laughs> so what we're looking at deals right now is we're saying, okay, is this in our wheelhouse? Can we manage it? Uh, will it add to the stress or is Imagine it worth it owning these things? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And is it something that we can do ourselves? Because we've been offered RV parks, hey, mobile home parks, but my boy Stenziano over there wants Dude, to make I just Chick-fil-A got a deal for a, a strip mall the other day. I'm like, 
I'm like, we don't buy these, but someone, yeah. you know, and it's like the broker is like trying to talk me into, I'm like, it's just, we don't do this. I'm sure someone's going to do really well with it. And, and we've passed on deals that people have done really well with. They're just not in our lane. I've just been more aggressive, Jake, because I see the opportunities out there and I'm like, you know, I want to continue to grow. I want yeah. our employees to invest in these deals as well. And we've, you know, not credit. crazy. I think just, yes. you know, it, you know, I think it may be, maybe it's switched a little bit where I was a little bit more pushing. It. And then I think it, it, it switched a little bit to where you're pushing a little more in, on pricing and things like that, but we're never, Nick, yeah. we're never that but, far off though. No, but the other thing was over the last couple of years, it's been a little bit tougher because we're going to buy a deal and manage it. We have to hire employees. So there's been that dislocation of the gig the labor economy market's been a pain. and the labor yeah. market is very hard. So if you're buying an asset and you have to manage it yourself and you have to hire these people, well, it's tough because your expenses are going to go up and you have to fill those seats. You're trying to be what I, I was just trying to say, the Chick-fil-A of apartments, trying to deliver that superior customer service. How do you do that when you can't hire managers? So you have to be careful as in Chick-fil-A did, you can't outgrow your infrastructure. And that's what we've not done. We've been able to implement systems and really get a great team around us. And now we're poised to be able to add these assets going forward where we see labor coming back. And it's going to be, I think, in my opinion, it'll be a lot easier to hire people as, as opposed to what it's already, it's already loosening up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a fantastic transition where you talk about uh, systems and processes. So I'm interested to hear, like, what is each of yours day to day? I assume that you you try not to have, you seem like a very efficient group. So like for, for both of you, like, what does your day to day look like? What's your kind of responsibilities and lanes in the business partnership? So for myself, we have daily huddles on the Jake and Gino team. I run the education component of it and daily huddles in the morning. I've got calls. I've got weekly level 10 meetings with all the members, whether it's the director of customer experience, whether it's our operations manager, whether it's our executive assistant, I meet with them weekly in the office. And then obviously we're doing podcasts. I'm writing a book right now on what we call the baby money soldiers. So I'm creating content. Uh, we have a uh, quarterly meetings with the entire company, company-wide. So that, that's when the property management team comes together with, with the syndication company, with Jake and Gino, and we set up our quarterly priorities. I mean, Jake will probably dive into the his cadence of accountability because he does a better job. But basically, it's great because when the companies, you know, blend like you said we're having this boot camp this weekend jake's coming down with one of our guys who works on rand partners he's gonna be learning he's been interacting with the students and it's just a great place for you know people to come together at our event we just had back in november we had a lot of our rand property management team down at that live event in november working with the jake and gino students as well so trying to have the team you know, the both companies working in alignment brings so much value to the students and it brings a lot of value to the rand property management team as well because property management can be a tough business. And when you, you know, when you're out there, you're helping others and you're creating impact in others. It's not just working on the property management side. They're helping the Jake and Gino students as well. Yeah. So like Gino said, he's, he's nailing the education uh, every week. And for myself, it's, it's becoming the Chick-fil-A of apartments. So it's making sure that we're delivering a high level of customer service. Uh, that's through our, our different training systems, our, our maintenance department, our CapEx teams, and then also the investment side of it as well. So, um, you know, we're, we're, you know, constantly looking at deals. And so my day is, is pretty much like Groundhog Day every week. And we, we like <laughs> to keep it this in. No, but it is. It's, it's, the same, it's the same meetings and structure every week. But then if there's travel involved, like, hey, we have an event in this town or we have something going on over here, that's when it changes up. But besides that, it's, it's, it's ruthlessly disciplined where 
same meeting we kick every Monday, you know, morning off with our team huddle. Then I have the same L10s, which I'm working with the property management, you know, folks. I'll have a, a weekly touch point with the property manager. I have a weekly touch point with our COO, with our regional managers. And so it's it's the same schedule. Uh, Tuesdays, I have a, a couple marketing meetings with uh, with Gino's team there that I, that I, I pop in on. Uh, but throughout the week, it's the same. Wednesday, I'm out and about. If we can, I try to schedule all my property tours and things like that on Wednesdays where I'm out making my rounds, as I so like to call it. Thursday, you know, back to back to the kind of the, the you know cadence grind, and the, and you know the same thing with Friday. So it's it's very very disciplined. The the cadence of account of uh, accountability is real, and we got this through coaching. You know, every year we're spending, you know, uh, you know fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, hundred thousand dollars on different you know ways to improve our business, and and one of those that was the scaling up coaches that we did. So that was all systems and scale. Uh, we applied it to multifamily, and then we've adapted it to our own cadence and rhythms that we apply to our property management and investment business. And so we we share that with the the entire Jake and Gino community. We'll be teaching on it this weekend at our Buy Right Bootcamp, and it's just um, it's very important because. There was a time where we were doing we were doing our fifth deal, and Gino touched about seller financing. And uh, Jim Clayton, he sold his company to Warren Buffett back in the day for three billion dollars, and he started a bank. And he was literally financing eighty percent of uh, this deal that we we're doing, and the seller was bringing twenty percent. So it was it was fully owner finance down payment for us. So we were getting three hundred units, given the keys, and my my biggest challenge was convincing Jim Clayton why he should actually lend on the deal. And he was vetting us. And he, he's like, Jake, I love your hustle. You're, you remind me of younger me. But the thing that, that I'm worried about is your lack of systems. And I'm like, what's he talking about right now? Systems? We just make it happen, man. What are you talking about <laughs> systems, right? And so from that from that day forward, I had to commit to him that we we're going to improve on our systems. And we hired scaling up coaches. And, and that became something that we've been students of uh, from that meeting on. And whenever I, I can pick up a tip or, or a way to make something more efficient or apply it to the business from that perspective, that's been huge. That wasn't the case back in the day. We were just running and gunning and growing the company as fast as we could, but we that was a, a huge inflection point for us. We had a downshift. We had to get our shit together and, and really start to you know create a franchisable model. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I love that, man. Those systems and processes for delegation, I think hiring, like you said, is something that's going to be a little bit easier. But I think a, a misconception is people go, well, I'm going to hire this person to delegate something out. And that's going to open up you know, 30, 40 hours a week, but they don't realize it's going to take it away first because you have to train those people mm -hmm. And I think that's where there's a lot of like, well, this didn't work. It's like, well, you can't just hire them and expect them to think like you think and do what you do. So you have to put a little bit of effort in to make it become effortless. So what is some like some like tips and experiences you can share for like really training people to be long-term team members for you guys? I think yeah, the first I, I, thing that people no, need ahead, to do sorry. real quick, sorry, Jake, real, the first thing is you need to set your core values and your mission statement mm -hmm. before you hire anybody. And, you know, Jake back at corporate didn't 
believe he poo-pooed them. He's like, with the core values, but I no thought it was bullshit because I, I went from a company. <laughs> no, I went from a company that was like, oh my god, the 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 you know just the the company's the values and everything right now. I'm just feeling that the company culture was great, and it went to shit overnight. Like literally crashed down. So I was like, oh, this is, you know, and I was jaded from it. So sorry. Mm -hmm. No, that's okay. And and I think that's the first thing because you're going to hire and fire from your core values. And you really, we took about six months to, to flush them out. I mean, growth mindset, people first, make it happen, extreme ownership, unwavering ethics. Those are our real core values. And we hire and we fire based on them. And even for the education company, I mean, we're looking for students over I mean, that that's what we want. We want students who have a growth mindset. If they're not able to, to grow and they're always complaining, right? Uh, one of the things that Jason Medley, founder of Collective Genius, said to me, which really resonated with me, he says, community and culture over commissions. And that to me is like, I want to adopt that as a core value because that's what I want. I want the culture and the community to abide and live by the core values that we've set. And I think that's with all of our entities. I think that's every time we work with a vendor, every time we have a speaker come on stage, every time that somebody you know deals with our company, I want to be able to have our, our values in alignment. That's the first thing you need to do before you start systemizing and trying to scale your company because then that's you're going to hire and you're going to fire your employees based on that culture and the core values. And if you can build that, and then it's basically quarterly meetings. What do you need to start working on as far as starting to delegate things, start creating systems, videos on how you do something to be able to train somebody to take that over from you. And it might seem daunting and overwhelming, but it really isn't. And systems are, can, they're not that huge. They're not that big. I mean, how do you answer the phone? How do you send out an email? All, all these kinds of things that you need Dude, to Dude, it's start. daunting. No, I mean, it, it, it is, it, it's daunting. No, like but it, it is. You can get there and, and you will, but I mean. You'll never get there. Just understand that you will never finish yeah. your systems, which is fine. And understand that it's always a work in progress, always trying to get better. And I think if you go from that perspective, it'll be okay. Because even when you think you have a you system need done. improvement. Yeah. Yes, you're learning something. That's why you need a growth mindset. And that's why your employees need to have a growth mindset. And they need to have ownership over saying, it's okay. I figured something out. Let me come to Gino and let me say, hey, Gino, can we do it this way? Great. I love that. Let's implement that. And you know, that's what I think systems really helped us out to be able to start scaling. I mean, going from an event of 150 people five years ago to over 1,100 people in five years, you need to have systems. You need to have people helping you out and doing You can't do it all by yourself. Yeah, I love I, I that, man. Let me, let me elaborate on a few things because I think the – the things where we messed up is we didn't hire soon enough in many instances. So we should have hired sooner and, and making sure that people are aligning with their highest and best use. Um, I've never full transparency created a standard operating procedure. We have a shit ton of them in the cloud and people abide by them, but that's not something that I'm going to do efficiently or effectively. Um, and, and, you know, I was also like taking notes, like our training department is actually pretty amazing. We, we use the same software that we use within the Jake and Gino community to apply to our training department internally. They can go through, watch the videos, whether it's maintenance, customer service training. So all this stuff has been developed, but I've aligned myself with people on our team that can carry that stuff out and, and we can talk about how it's going to be implemented, but I'm not going to be the one necessarily implemented because I'm not going to be the best at that. And then, and then finding ways to create long-term partnerships with our team members. And that goes back to allowing them to invest in the deals. And then they're creating wealth for themselves. And then there's alignment of interests and there's value then placed on the team members because now they're getting rich and they're being able to provide for their families better. And they have a, a long you know, future and runway with our organization. So it's, it's aligning those interests where early on it was 
we weren't we weren't providing a good enough compensation package or providing that runway for future growth for people. And it took us a while to adapt to get to that point. And we're we're constantly looking at it and trying to make it better now. So it doesn't happen overnight. And that's why I was I was kind of like poking fun at Gino there, where it's like, oh my God, this stuff is dawning. Because it's he was right, it never ends. And it's, it's a lot of fucking work. And for me, if you said Jake, sit down and create a standard operating procedures manual, you might as well fucking tell me to jump off a cliff. Like that's <laughs> not something that is gonna be a good, it's not you're gonna have a good outcome either way. And so it's like, uh, it's back in the day when, uh, you know, we were, we were messing around with accounting, Gino, that was terrible. Like, what the fuck were we doing? There's like shoe boxes and, and rubber bands in the mail. Like, that Just was, give that Jake stupid. a chainsaw, give him a, give him a, give him a, That's you know, it, man. a lawnmower. He'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> accounting systems, yeah. uh, stand operating procedures. Yeah. No, let's pass on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll pull a team together and we'll get it done, but I'm probably not the one that should be you know, doing the, the finer details at times. So. Fair enough, man. But I'll tell you the the first thing that I hear whenever people talk about your events. And again, shout out to John Gelder, my my fellow Long Island Paisan over there that spoke very highly of you guys. Right away, he said he went to your event and he said the culture is what hit him. And he was like, these are my guys. These are my people. This is my community. And he went all in. So what you're doing works for sure, because I don't hear that often from people. And the fact that he was right away this is what resonates with me. These are the people that I'm going to surround myself with because that's important. So, hey, so talk about, we were talking about community, John Gelter, John Dessauer, uh, a lot of people that just sing you guys praises about what you're doing with Jake and Gino. So talk about live events, podcasts, education, all the ways that you got stuff coming up. I know you got an event coming up next year. So how do people work with you? How do people find you? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty straightforward. I mean, we're we're out there. Uh, JakeandGino.com is probably the best place to to start your journey. But uh, really, it's it's results based education. Uh, we you know we're the premier multifamily education group out there. We we simply base everything around fulfillment. Uh, we have various boot camps throughout the year, but it's only for community members. So it's we have the buy right, the manage right, the finance right boot camp. We have the money mixers, and then we do the one event every year where we open it up to you know the entire nation where we have multi, the multifamily mastery events had uh 1200 people this year it was, it was really yeah it was an incredible event uh you know we were joking around earlier because gino was up there singing opera uh, on stage we had a you know special party later that night with uh, with vanilla ice but just some some fantastic guests uh from you know ryan Sirhant. you mentioned john deshauer he emceed it for us uh pace morby luke wren uh julius thomas uh from Den uh, denver broncos so just some some really great high level guests but then you know just really some multifamily operators that brought the pain and just, you know, talked about what's going on in the current market. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was like we say, it's the, 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 the financial vacation for smart people. So we love it. And uh, we're going to continue doing them. That's awesome, man. So if people want to enroll in that, find out more about that uh, social media, what's the best way to follow you guys? Just go to jakeandgino.com. I mean, Nick, we've been talking about creative financing and seller financing. If, if people want a copy of our book, we wrote the book Creative Cash for their coach, Bill Ham. Just reach out to me, Gino at jakeandgino.com. And I'd love to send them a PDF copy of the book because it will be relevant. It's always been relevant, but now, like you and I said in the show, it's going to be really prominent in the next 12 to 24 months that people are going to start financing deals. We just, just talked with Jake 30 seconds ago. We had another seller saying, hey, I'll finance the deal for you. So it's coming. We, we got two on the plate right now. It's just so. amazing. We yeah. haven't had two in the last three years, but yeah. now all of a sudden it's going to be relevant. So just hit me up, Gino at jakeandgino.com. And I'd love to send you a PDF copy of, of the book. Fantastic. I'm going to put all these links in the show notes for everybody when this comes out. You guys are absolute studs. I really appreciate you coming on and putting up with my unprofessional nonsense. I shit the better this podcast and you guys are really cool about it. 
I will make sure I push this out there. Jake, Dude, you need listen, everything we, you we, we, we made it to the end. There's no shit in the bed, man. We're here. <laughs> we got through it. So we appreciate you, Nick. Thank you. Awesome. No, you guys are good. Thanks so much, guys. I know you got to go. Jake, you know, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. So what's it